Our New Testament reading today is Matthew, uh, chapter 11, verses 20 through 24. In the uh, website I used, this was titled, Woe Unto Unrepentant Towns. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon than on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For the miracles that were performed in you have been performed in Sodom. They would have remained to this day. But I tell you, it will not be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. The words of God for the people of God. Well, these are some tough, tough Bible verses this week. Hearing Jesus Christ denouncing the cities of his time who refused to repent from even the miracles that Jesus Christ was performing in their cities. And the scene in the book of Jeremiah, the story of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, in which God talks about a kingdom and nation that no longer was no longer following God. And so God was calling them towards repentance. You know, one of the things that I love about nowadays, and we all love about nowadays, one of the biggest things, of course, maybe even the absolute biggest thing is technology. We just all love technology. Even my one-year-old grandson, I mean, if I was to hand him my phone, he already knows what to do with it. You know, he'll take his little finger and he'll swipe up and down on that phone and he'll, you know, he'll know how to operate that phone. And, you know, these, these kids nowadays, they're so used to it that, you know, if you just hand it to them, they absolutely know what to do with it. I'm back in my days, and I, I don't know, and, and I, I'm not going to talk about your days, but I'm talking about back in, you know, when I was growing up, we, of course, we didn't have any cell phones or anything like that. You had to be rich, right? Back in, you know, when I was growing up back in the 80s and 90s, you had to be rich to even have a phone, to carry a car phone or a mobile phone or something of that sort. And we started off with those, I remember starting off with those telephones where you have to dial and if you messed up then you got to you know hang up and dial all over again right and when when we finally got those phones that you're able to you know the the the, the phones that you're able to tap on the the keys and then that was that was you know so awesome for us and then of course right when you got those wireless you know home phones you know those wireless home phones were so so awesome but one of the things about those wireless home phone was that you always lose them right you always lose them you know somewhere in the house but, you know, those were so awesome. And then, of course, you know, as we approach here in the year 2000, you know, here in the 21st century, uh, we started getting all these, you know, new, new smartphones and phone, you know, all different kinds of phones, starting out with those flip phones. I remember those flip phones when we first started uh, 
getting cell phones, and then you know, we went on to, uh, I had a Blueberry. I, you know, I'm not someone who really likes to change phones a lot, and so I don't, uh, you know, over the years, I've only had a total of four different phones. So, you know, not like my kids who like to change phones almost every single year, you know, because after the iPhone 6, iPhone 7, iPhone 8, you know, all kinds of different models, and Eli was saying the other day, Dad, I want an iPhone S, and I said, I have no idea what an iPhone S is. <laughs> so, you know, they have all kinds of, every single year they come, you know, the, these guys are so good at marketing. I mean, they're so, you know, talented at marketing. Every single year they can get you to buy a new phone for $1,000 you know, or more. That's pretty crazy. You know, that's pretty crazy. And, you know, and my phone is an iPhone 7 Plus, I believe it is. And uh, my, my wife's phone is an iPhone 8. And when I look at it, I mean, to me, there's no, not really a difference, but yet, some people, they throw, they'll throw this one away just to get an iPhone 8, and I have no idea why, you know, just to pay another $1,000 to Apple and, you know, make these guys rich out of their minds, you know. But, um, you know, technology is something that we were grown accustomed to and something that's, you know, it's going to be part of our culture for a very long time. But one of the things about this, these iPhones or these cell phones is this, that one of the things that's annoying about them is that, of course, you always have to recharge them, right? The battery never lasts forever. And this morning when I came to church, I forgot to recharge my phone. And when I got here to the mall service this morning, I looked, and it was at 12%. And so the reason why I spent about 30 minutes uh, in the office before coming over here was because I needed to charge my phone. So <laughs> I went to my office, and I charged my phone for about 30 minutes, and now it's at 35%. And so it will last me until, you know, I get back to the, to the car. But, you know, it always needs to be recharged. If you take this phone and you, you take it away from, from, from the charger, eventually it's going to die. Eventually it's going to become useless. Eventually you will not be able to do anything on it. And then in the very same way, we were also created to be connected to God. And if we lived our lives apart from God... If we live our lives apart and we get away from God for a certain period of time, the things that naturally happens to us is destruction. That's what God is talking about here. That's what God is talking about here in Jeremiah chapter 18 when he was, you know, when he was facing this nation, his own people who were being rebellious against him, who were, you know, they, they, God has blessed them so much they have become so prosperous They've become so successful as a nation, and in their success and their prosperity, they started going away from God. They started believing themselves to be able to live without God. They started worshiping false gods. They started trusting in their own abilities, trusting in their own wisdom, instead of trusting in what God has done for them, instead of trusting in the wisdom of God. And it is in this section that God comes to them through the prophet Jeremiah, whom is known as the weeping prophets, because Jeremiah, during his days, as he was preaching the message of God to his people, he was being mocked, he was being looked down upon, he was, call, he was called the worst of names. I mean, a lot of, you know, even people of his time felt that he was a crazy man. 
He was insane. Many of the people believed him to be insane at that time, even though he was, he was coming to them and proclaiming the message that God has given him to complain to, the, uh, to, to share to the people, to share to the Israelites, so they will not face destruction. But unfortunately, his message was rejected by the people of Israel at that time. And it is in this chapter that God declares to them his sovereignty over them. It is in this chapter that God takes, takes Jeremiah to the potter's house and to teach him a lesson about who God is. And in the verse preceding, um, verse 7 here, in, in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 6, this is what God said to them. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. And so God is declaring to them and reminding them of who God is in their life. God is their creator. God is the one that has called them. God is the one that has saved them. God is the one that has blessed them. And in that, there is nothing that they can do to escape what God has already put in place. Just like there's, no, there's nothing that we can do with this phone. We have to plug it back in to the charger for it to stay alive, for it to, to continue to work. There's nothing we can do because that's the way that it was created to be. That's how Apple created this phone to be, is that this phone needs to be charged or else it's going to be useless. And that's how God has created us to be as a people. It is in his own sovereign will that he has created us to be connected to him, to live a life in connection with God, not to be apart from God. And so God is taking this message to them, calling them towards repentance, calling them to return back to God. But in doing so, he is declaring his sovereignty over them. He's declaring, he's declaring to them who he is, that they are under, under him, that he is their God. He is their God. And there is a certain way that he has created life to be. In Romans the Apostle Paul wrote saying that God said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It is totally up to God to decide, to decide whom he has mercy upon. You see, the mercy of God, the grace of God given to us, it is not something that God owes us. It's not something that God is obligated to do. If he, if he would have chosen not to give us grace, if he would have chosen not to show us mercy, he would have had every single right to do that because we have offended God. And yet, in his love, loving grace, instead of, instead of choosing to just condemn us instead of choosing to punish us in his own sovereignty. He has chosen to give us mercy. He has chosen to give us compassion. He has chosen to give us grace. 
And so we must always understand as we stand before God is that this mercy is not something that God owes to us. But this is something that God has chosen to give to us simply because God is love. It is something, grace, the definition of grace means is something that's undeserving. It's called grace because it's undeserving that we have not, we have not done anything to merit his grace. And yet, he chooses to give it to us freely. And that's why he says to Moses, it is up to me. It is up to me. If I choose to have mercy, I will have mercy. If I choose to have compassion, I will have compassion. And that's what God has chosen to do for us. He has chosen to give us mercy. He has chosen to give us compassion. But that does not mean that we do not have a responsibility, you see. We do have a responsibility, and that responsibility is how are we going to respond when God calls us to repentance? How are we going to respond when God warns us of these things, warns of us of our lives, warns us of destruction? How are we as God's people, how are we going to respond? In Jeremiah's time, this is how the Israelites responded. In verse 12 it says, They say, it's no use. It's no use. We will continue with our own plans. You see, so their response to God, when God was calling them to repentance, when God was saying, I am the sovereign God, I'm the one who created you, I'm the one who has called you, I'm the one who has raised you up. I can do to you anything, you know, anything that I do, I have the right to do. You need to repent. I'm calling you to repent. And I will forgive you, and I will restore you. And their response is this, it is no use. It is no use. We will continue with our own plans. If we think back to the Garden of Eden, this is exactly what happened. When Adam and Eve decided that, you know what, it is absolutely no use to live in connection and in fellowship with God. That we can be our own gods. They decided that they can be their own God. And as the serpent came before them, the serpent said to them, you will not certainly die. You will not certainly die. But instead, if you eat this fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. And that's what they wanted to do. And that's what they wanted so much. Because that's what the serpent, that's what Lucifer wanted for himself also. Lucifer himself, Satan himself, wanted to be his own God. And so he was tempting Adam and Eve to become their own God, to live as according to their own ways. And God gave them this freedom, and they chose, they chose to become their own gods. They chose, they chose to continue with their own plans, just as the Israelites did during the time of Jeremiah. And of course, we know the rest of the story. It is at that time that we fell, that the human race fell into sin and fell into death. And so for us to remember this, that even though God is sovereign and he is in control, that he has given us this freedom to respond. He has given us this freedom to respond to him. He says, if a nation repents, I will not uproot them, Right? He's not going to uproot them. But even if he was blessing a nation, even if he was building up a nation, but if that nation does evil, then he will reconsider the good that he had intended to do for that nation. 
So I want us to think about this. That this freedom, that, that this love of God, this blessing of God, even though he's in control, it is conditional based upon our response to him. Oftentimes we talk about Jesus Christ as our Savior, and he is. But one thing we must not forget is that Jesus Christ is also the judge. And we read, we read that in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 to verse 24, when Jim read that for us. When Jesus began to denounce the towns in which he was living at that time. He says, woe to, to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. Because he has performed all these miracles in these cities. And this word woe is a judgment upon them. Jesus' judgment upon them. Because they would not repent from their sins at that time. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through verse 33, Jesus said this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. He is talking about his judgment when he returns to this earth. And so he's talking in this way as he is calling us, as he's calling us towards repentance towards repentance, and to reconnect us with God, to live in connection and in relationship with God. Because this is the way that God has intended us to be. This is the way that God has created us to be. John the Baptist proclaims about Jesus Christ. He says in Luke chapter 3, verse 9, the axe is already at the root of the trees. He's talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. And he says, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. It's talking about the judgment that Jesus Christ will bring to those who do not bear good fruits in their lives as Christians, as believers. He goes on in verse 17, says, his fork is in his hands to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up chaffs with unquenchable fire. The proclamation of John the Baptist as he was crying out in the wilderness, calling the people of his time to come and repent because they have become a corrupted society. They were taking advantage of the poor. They were taking advantage of the weak. They were oppressing people during their time. And John the, John the Baptist, as he was raised up by God to cry out in the wilderness, calling the people that it is time for us to repent from the things that we do, not only as individuals, but also as a people, that it is time for us to repent. If we do not repent, the axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down. We really need to take this into consideration. We really need to reflect upon these words of John the Baptist and reflect upon it in our own lives, reflect upon it in our own context in our own time in our own culture in our own country to see where we are at are we living in a time in which we are following god or are we living in a time in which we are following our own ways and if if we are still following our own ways it's time for us to really return back and be connected 
to Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 4 through verse 5, this is what Jesus said. He said, remain in me, and as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, being a Christian or being a believer of God is not simply to just come to church and sit and sing songs, but it is about calling us to bear fruits in our own lives. It's calling us to love other people. It's calling us to go out there and support those who are weak, calling us to go out there and help those who are unable to help themselves. We're called to do these things. And are we as Christians, are we bearing these types of fruits in our very own lives? Are we out there, are we taking care of those who need us? This is what God has called us to do in our individual lives. Something that God is, is, is challenging us, that we must bear fruits. And the only way for us to bear fruit is if we were to remain connected with our Lord Jesus Christ. It says that if we are apart from him, then we can do absolutely nothing. You know, one of the things that we discussed about at the annual conference, one of the leaders said, as United Methodists, we have often forgotten about evangelism. When I hear about that, I, it breaks my heart. It really does break my heart because sometimes, sometimes as Christians, we become so comfortable we have become so comfortable that we have forgotten about leading other people to Jesus Christ. And how important it is to share the message of the gospel towards other people. Many times we do many great things. Many times we go around and we, we, feed, the, we, we feed the poor. We, we provide you know, donations for those who need donations. And yet, a lot of times we forget about sharing Jesus Christ with them. Sharing Jesus Christ, the, 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 the whole point of evangelism is to share Jesus Christ with others. And we can do all these things, but we must not forget that Jesus Christ is the most important of all. If we feed them, you know, we can feed them as much as we can. We can, we can uh, you know, build wells for them, water wells for them. That's, that's what the Hmong district does in Thailand is build water wells for poor kids. And we, we can do things of that sort. But if we do all these things for them and never share Jesus Christ with them, what good does that do for them? We're not simply focusing on the physical life as a church. We are focusing on eternity. You see, this life here on this earth, as, as important as it is, it is temporary. A hundred years from today, none of us will be here in this room anymore. We will spend an eternity somewhere. And that eternity, what we want is we want that eternity. We want everybody to spend that eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reason why we evangelize. That's the reason why we're so why we're so passionate about doing missions is to share in Jesus Christ, to ultimately share Jesus Christ with other people. 
so that they can experience the love and the grace of God too. Towards the end of this, um, towards the end of the story of Jeremiah in Lamentations chapter three verse forty, was Jeremiah was weeping over his nation as he was weeping over the people of Israel because of their destructions. This is what, this is how Jeremiah responded to what God was doing. You see, I want us to make this contrast here between how the Israelites responded when they say it's no use. And yet, in Lamentations, we see Jeremiah's response. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40, Jeremiah says, Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. You see, instead of saying, God, you know, it's no use. God, I'm going to do things my own way. I don't need you anymore. Instead of saying, God, I can be my own God. Jeremiah says, no, no. Instead, let us examine our ways. Let us, let us carefully test our ways to, to see if these things are of God. And let us return to the Lord. Paul says the very same thing in the New Testament when he says, examine yourself. Continue to examine yourself to make sure that you are in the faith. In other words, continue to examine yourself to ensure that you are still connected to Jesus Christ. Because the worst thing, the worst thing that can happen to us is the belief that we are connected when we are not. The belief that we are connected to Christ only to find out once we pass on that we are not connected to Christ. And so we really have to humble ourselves. Each and every single one of us really have to humble ourselves and honestly test ourselves and examine our ways to ensure that we are connected to him. And so the message today is for us to remember that God is always in control. God is always in control of everything. And yet, he's given us the freedom to choose how we are going to respond to him. And so we must remember that Jesus Christ, although he's our Savior, he will also be our judge. And God has created and he has meant for life, for our lives to be connected to him. He has created us to be in a relationship with him, to be connected with him for life. And so today as we go home, let us examine ourselves, let us examine our lives. And if we need to, if we have departed from the Lord, let us return to the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your mercy upon us. We understand that this is not something that you owe us, but you have chosen out of your own will to freely give us this mercy because you are indeed absolutely true love. Father, today I ask that you be with all of us here in your house. For those of us who are still connected to you, we are so grateful for them, Father, and we praise you with joy for these things. But, Father, if there's anyone among us who have strayed away, Father, we ask, we ask that you call upon them, that you reach out to open their hearts and bring them back to you, to be connected to you, Father. We want every single person in this room to be connected to your Son, Jesus Christ. 
And so we lift everyone up to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. It's time for us to do offertory.